Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Jen and Joe. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Glad that you're joining us today on this paranormal journey. <laughs> paranormal journey, yeah. Uh, today we are recording video as we're doing the audio. So if you're listening to this on the podcast apps, unfortunately you can't see the video, but you can hear us talk. And the thing is, Jen is in her haunted house as we speak. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you you noticed as we were recording, I kept looking over. I just kept seeing shadows. I, I wish I could. Re- um, I'm going to turn my camera on tonight. Yeah. Because the house seems really active today. It does. I mean, I, I'm sitting here watching you, and I notice that the camera keeps glitching a little bit, but it's it's just glitching like the background. So something that if you guys want to check it out on youtube we will put this up on our youtube channel but we have a great guest today steve ward the the fabulous steve ward yeah so you know steve's been on the show several times he's just like this encyclopedia of high strangeness he could sit and talk about any topic of mothman bigfoot ufos alien encounters any type of fringe type i mean it's not fringe to us it's mainstream no. but um you know topics and the depth of knowledge that this man has and he has been doing this since you know 19 something <laughs> i won't i won't give his age away but um for many 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 years mm-hmm. he's one of those people that knows so much and his library must be ex- Extensive. I can't imagine he must have a huge U-Haul just full of his yeah. books and his research when he moved. <laughs> we first met Steve at, I believe it was Butler, the Butler conference. Mm-hmm. And we said, Steve, yeah. come on, sit down with us. It was like one of our first people we interviewed. And mm-hmm. it's the same as today. You know, we're just blown away by the knowledge that he has. And he, no notes. He just goes off the cuff and... He's like you said, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, he has his own podcast called The High Strangeness Factor. Mm-hmm. And they get into some very, very deep and really, really interesting discussions yeah. on that podcast. So, without any, any further ado, right? welcome to the show, the fabulous Steve Ward. The legend. Yes. How the hell are you? What is going on, Steve? I'm really good. Uh, What's going on? Well, uh, I'm living living in West By God, Virginia. (laughs) uh, I actually live inches from downtown Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh I I live on the same road that the Scarberries and Mallets were chased on November 15th of 1966 by uh, something that was dubbed the Mothman, a, uh, a, a six or seven foot tall, vaguely humanoid, winged creature about a 10-foot wingspan with red glowing eyes and i'm also living just a few streets from where the uh silver bridge once stood this is the silver bridge that collapsed on december december 15th 1967 there's a memorial right there there's a uh on the flood wall unfortunately i'm living on the correct side of the flood wall oh yeah Uh, there's a a, a mural of the way the bridge used to look when it went over to the ohio side there's a uh a a, i mean a, a mural and a, a memorial as well, and the 46 names of the people that died are are embedded on the sidewalk on one side of the street. 
So uh, then that's right on the right in uh, downtown Point Pleasant. So I'm I'm and I can actually I I, I work at the uh, Mothman Museum on Saturdays. I'm there to uh, kind of that's answer sweet. questions and greet people, and uh, we'll we'll go mm-hmm. out to the statue sometimes. I'll, I'll wander out there. And if, if a family or a group is out there, I can take the, the whole picture together. They, I, I usually say they don't have to send the black sheep of the family out or the kid they don't <laughs> like to take the picture. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, just, it's just so much fun talking to, uh, and, and you know, you get people that uh, uh, this has been kind of their Mecca. A, they've made a pilgrimage to be here. Mm-hmm. They've waited years uh, to make the trip from uh, sometimes mm-hmm. all over the world. We get people from, all over the globe and all over the U.S. So it is, uh, it is just a lot of fun. That sounds like an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, it, well, it is. You know, but I, I became aware of the Mothman even before he had a proper name. It was uh, November of 1966 when those two couples were chased down Route 62 mm-hmm. out of what they call the TNT area. Now, the TNT area, it was nicknamed that forever. It was a place where they made explosives for World War II. It was a, a huge complex about nine miles north of Point Pleasant. You can see the old black and white photographs of, uh, of all the buildings and the structures and so forth. There are some remnants left, but even in the 1960s, when the Mothman started showing up, there, there wasn't much left. And it's, it's called the McClintock Wildlife Area now. So uh, that, was, uh, 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 that was quite some time ago, and that's when, when it all started. And, and the, the thing is, that first particular, wasn't the first sighting, actually, but the first major sighting when it chased those two couples, it hit the wire services all over the world. So that's why, as a kid in junior high in Michigan, I read about it in the newspapers. So uh, I've been kind of following the Mothman ever since. Was that part of your decision to move out of Michigan into West Virginia to be closer? Well, I, to I never. Center I, of that? I, I, I never expected to move to the place that was kind of my vacation spot. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, mm-hmm. my, my, my first time down here was actually in 1977 after I read John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. And uh, I just really wanted to see the area. So I came down kind of blind one Sunday and uh, ended up at the uh, by happenstance at the Low Hotel. And uh, I had a map of the TNT area. And back then, you could actually just drive around back there. Now, a lot of the areas are kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, barricaded off. And I had no idea uh-huh. what I was looking for or where I was going. So I, that was my, my first visit. And I saw the, the old North Power Plant was still standing. And that's where the Scarberries and the Mallets first saw this thing on the road next to that. And, uh, and then uh, in 2006, I started coming down to the Mothman festivals. And, uh, you know, when, when I first started coming down, I was that guy that would, uh, you know, get the fever you know, when anything with Mothman, <laughs> yeah. a, a T-shirt, a book or whatever, I had to have it. But mm-hmm. then as time went on, I became kind of absorbed. And I started working uh, in, in front of and, and behind the scenes, helping to set up in the TNT area. We've got to have a great uh, uh, hayride on Saturday night, uh, where it's mm-hmm. kind, of like a, kind, of, kind of like a Halloween hayride with a guaranteed flyover of the Mothman. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's a really creepy area in the daytime. A very creepy at night and what they do is they line up uh, uh, three tractors pulling three uh, carts uh, in the at the farm museum which is in the uh, the general TNT area and uh, two of the uh, two of the carts have uh, bales of hay on it like like classic hay ride they usually give me oh, okay. uh, the the old man cart with the nice comfortable <laughs> seats so 
and, uh, <laughs> I, and I'm not complaining either. So uh, and yeah. then we, we, we take people into the dreaded TNT area and uh, the, uh, the men in black try to turn you away right away. There's, there's three men in black. They have bullhorns. They tell you it's a secure area. And like I tell people not to worry, they're much more like the Keystone cops than the real <laughs> men in black. And, and, and I, I spent a few days uh, setting up uh, uh, some stuff like giant spider webs and big furry spiders and, and lighting up their eyes and, uh, and cobbling <laughs> together all manner of creatures, including a wolf spider, a big giant spider with a wolf's head, literally. And lighting up oh. his eyes green, you know. So uh, it's uh, you have a few of those things. But it, the, for those people that have walked into the Mothman Museum, if you look up in the ceiling right away, you'll see a Mothman suspended there. Well, mm-hmm. John, John and Tim Frick, who portray the Men in Black by day mm-hmm. and fly yeah. the Mothman by night, they take him down. They hide behind the old acid plant out there. And they run him down a wire. They have this ingenious, low-tech delivery system with a hand crank they light up his eyes with battery power and they blast a sound effect i can't tell you the source they use for the sound effect because they've never paid royalties and i don't want <laughs> them to end up in incarcerated or with an ankle bracelet because we need them right? to fly the mothman okay so uh and just when you think it's safe just when you think it's over there might be a couple guys hidden in the shadows in ghillie suits ready to jump up on the cart and scare the living daylights out of everybody. Oh, my God. I'm glad you so, gave me the heads up on that. So it is, it's the only thing that costs a few bucks. I tell people, look, the, the hayride is a blast, but you've got to get there early Saturday morning, get in line to buy your ticket because they, they do limit it. And we go yeah. late into the night with one, one ride after another. And uh, it's just uh, just an absolute blast uh, talking to people from, you know, and sometimes all over the world. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I'll say, well, who, who drove, who came the furthest? Mm-hmm. And one time a gentleman with a brogue uh, spoke up and said, Belfast. Ah. So wow. yeah, he, he won that round. And uh, <laughs> we, we get just people from all over. And uh, I'll, I'll ask people what, you know, I don't sound like I'm, I'm from around here, right? So what's... What, what's my accent? Where, where do I come from? It's really, it's been really fun to hear the, some of the, the guesses. I, I had yeah. some, la- I had some lady from Ohio tell me, I, you're from Michigan because you have an accent. And I told her, I said, lady, I don't have an accent. <laughs> Everyone else does. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. In, the, in the Midwest, we don't have accents, right? Yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> so what's it like living there? Like, during not during the uh, you know the festival season is it quiet is there anything going on oh they always have something going on they've had some christmas <laughs> stuff uh, going on and halloween they're, they're very good uh, to have things for the kids and mm-hmm. uh, you know kids dress up in their costumes or, or whatever they have a uh, uh, a place where you can drive through and see all the lights and they have a mothman all lit up and uh, there, there's all kinds of history here i mean uh, if you uh, uh, if you go through the flood wall opposite the the uh, 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 Mothman statue and make a left, now there's all kinds of murals that are battle scenes because of the Revolutionary War and so forth. But there are other sculptures by Bob Roach. Bob Roach is the man that created the Mothman statue. He's no longer with us, but he also created other other sculptures, uh, stainless steel sculptures, uh, uh, figures out of history like Chief Cornstalk. If you go a little bit further down the river, 
you'll hit Tuendiway Park, which means where the rivers meet, and they literally do, the Kanawha and the Ohio, and Chief Cornstalk is buried there. Mm. And many claim that's the first battle of the Revolutionary War. There are others to dispute that, but hey, they're not West by God Virginians, so they can, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Have you gotten any um, anybody feeling like you're an outsider because you're from Michigan living in West Virginia, or is that kind of like... Uh, oh, no, 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 cool? people are just very friendly here, and uh, they... Uh, you know, I had, I had a, a plumber was over here and he, he did say, it does sound like you're not from around here. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I'm a, I, I am a West Virginian. It just says so on my driver's license, but I don't think I have the accent quite yet. Not yet. You're working on it. Is there been any recent um, activity surrounding Mothman? Has anybody had any claims maybe in the last you know, five to 10 years of seeing anything? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have the specifics. Now, uh, Small Town Monsters has done uh, uh, a couple of great, you know, they do great, great documentaries. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. did one several years ago called The Mothman of Point Pleasant. And in 2020, they did the sequel called The Mothman Legacy. There are a few people on there. Some are some are original witnesses that were not in the Mothman prophecies, but some are more oh, recent. Wow. People people have seen seen something. Uh, I'm not I'm not absolutely sure we're talking about exactly the same thing when you get mm -hmm. into the realm of the unexplained and the paranormal. And and especially if uh, you know, I'm I'm there's no uh, uh, no pretending here. I'm a Keelian. I'm a follower mm -hmm. of John Keel. And John Keel thought that many of these things may may emanate from the same source but perhaps they manifest or appear differently. He thought that it may not be that important to uh, uh, categorize what specifically they looked like or the, the so-called spacecraft, whether it had a dome or, or, or portals or whatever. He wanted to understand the cosmic mechanism behind these things. So I, I'm always, you know, there's, there's a lot, been a lot of winged uh, creatures or apparitions reported over the decades. There was the Houston Batman that almost looked like somebody dressed up in a suit or something. <laughs> there, 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 there was the uh, Wisconsin Man Bat uh, some maybe a decade ago. Uh, Linda Godfrey uh, reported on it. Uh, a man and his son were driving and this big, ugly bat-like thing swooped by and kind of hit their windshield and took off. And they became very ill afterwards. This thing didn't look at all like the, the Mothman. Hmm. So I, I'm always, uh, I'm not, you know, it, it seemed like the, the, the Mothman, whatever it was, and it was kind of a paradox. I'll, I'll get into that. But it, uh, it, it, I don't think, you know, these things, uh, they, again, they may, they may come from the same ultimate source somehow, but just manifest differently, like, like creatures from the, uh, uh, creatures from the id, so to speak, mm -hmm. or the uh, mm -hmm. the phantom menagerie. But uh, the thing about the thing about the Mothman was, while uh, uh, John Keel spoke to a little over a hundred people that year, he came down. He was a a journalist from New York City. Uh, had been been investigating UFOs and the unexplained. He, by the way, he did not want to be called a ufologist. He considered himself really? a, a fortune, uh, you know, i.e. Charles Fort. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he, he had come down five times during that year uh, between uh, roughly uh, December uh, 66 and December 67 and uh, talked to, again, a little over 100 people. The descriptions of whatever this was were generally the same. Sometimes people said they saw something more like a just a large bird. I think there were a couple of National Guardsmen that said they saw a, like some kind of a large, ugly bird in the tree. 
uh, something very unusual. Tom Urey saw something kind of like a thunderbird, but others like uh, Linda Scarberry, Faye DeWitt, uh, um, um, and, and others saw the sort of the classic Mothman. Uh, you know, again, six, seven foot tall, red glowing eyes, 10 foot wingspan. The thing is the behavior and, and the aftermath in some of these was very odd. It didn't always flap its wings when it took off. Uh, Connie Carpenter was one of the early uh, witnesses of this thing. She was driving past the Mason County golf course. She saw it standing there, red glowing eyes that really freaked her out. It took off straight like a helicopter without flapping its wings. It flew over her car. Now, John Keel, when he arrived on the scene, he went to the McDaniels house. He was invited there and they invited over several of the uh, very recent original witnesses that had seen this thing, including the Scarberries and the mallets that were chased in their car down route 62. Um, and he saw Connie Carpenter was there. She had uh, eye burn or conjunctivitis. Mm -hmm. And that's something that kind of shocked him because normally that, that would, will happen if people have a close proximity of a UFO sighting or a strange light. Uh, but apparently it happens sometimes with cryptids. Now, Keel also found, he said, he was finding that people that uh, had a, a close proximity cryptid experience or a, 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 uh, a close encounter with a UFO or strange light uh, would uh, often suffer from the same types of ailments like conjunctivitis sometimes, uh, muscle ache, thirst, suggesting that perhaps maybe these things are coming from the same source and they're not terribly separate. But, but also, uh, besides it not always flapping its wings and taking off straight like a helicopter, a lot of people that saw this, now Kiel found this and there was a, uh, a Swedish researcher named Franzen that followed him in a year or two later. And, uh, and Kiel gave him an introduction because they were they were sort of uh, colleagues from across from Sweden to the U.S. He'd helped him Keel find information on the the ghost so-called ghost flyers, and they both found that many people that that had an experience with the Mothman had an outbreak of poltergeist phenomena mm -hmm. when they got home. Now, so how do we you know how do we and I think sometimes people that have seen have close proximity of, of a UFO would also ha have that experience. There was a, a, a town official uh, who wasn't named, and later on it came out that he was a, a banker. He heard something out on his front lawn. He came out on his porch, and he saw this creature standing there. Well, he went into a trance. He was there for 10 or 20 minutes, and then he came out of it, and it flew away. I talked uh, recently to Linda Sigmund. She has only in the recent years come out with her sighting very credible lady. She was, uh, I'm trying to think, 16, was it? Uh, in, uh, in 1966, uh, it was, uh, no, no, it was 1967, uh, April. And, and she and her boyfriend were about 12 miles north of Point Pleasant. They were sitting on the, uh, the trunk of the car, just kind of looking at the night sky. They saw this, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a long story, but they saw this kind of an orb or light. And then they, they took off. They saw another light, and uh, he wanted to get out of there, but she, Linda, was looking outside the window, and she saw essentially the Mothman flying along or near this ball of light. And uh, at some point, she also had missing time. 
So some people had missing time experiences in conjunction with this, whatever it was. A few people said that they saw it uh, in conjunction with some kind of a strange light or a UFO or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what to make of that. I'm not, I, I'm not, not one that tends mm -hmm. to think that this is extraterrestrial. Like, like John Keel, I suspect that some of these things are simply a natural condition of the planet, things we just don't understand. So you had this, uh, oh, and, and another uh, thing, uh, there was uh, a, uh, a couple, they were uh, missionaries. And one night, now this, this, is, this stuff had just started. They hadn't seen anything in the newspapers. The next day, they were slated to go off to a faraway country to be missionaries for several years. And this thing, the Mothman, whatever it was, manifested in their bedroom. Exactly the, the same description, same height, red glowing eyes and so forth. Now, in, in their context, they thought it was something demonic. Mm -hmm. And the next day, they, I mean, they prayed about it. They left. Years later, they came back and they looked at the old newspapers and they thought, my God, that's what we saw in our bedroom. So I don't know how we, you know, put all these things together to figure out what the Mothman was. It's, it's almost like it's almost like the Mothman was some kind of a elemental just don't ask mm -hmm. me what the, heck an, what the heck an elemental is because I don't have an answer. But it's so weird because everything you're describing happens like the coincidences between the poltergeist activity and the UFO activity, the blue orb activity, Bigfoot, all that. It all comes together. And by you mentioning this kind of reconfirms that. Yeah, it does. So it does. You know, again, I, I uh, echoing John Keel, Jacques Vallée, uh, Patrick Harper and so many other researchers. It does seem like that no matter what we do, these things are all have some kind of a connection, some kind of an underlying connection. And I've never heard until now you mentioned about the those two people. It manifests itself in a room. So it didn't come into the room. It just manifests itself right. there. So it, it I, makes I, you I wonder, talked, is it interdimensional? Coming through a portal? I, I, I don't know. Uh, Akil, uh, in, uh, in, in an earlier book uh, from the Mothman Prophecies, uh, it was called originally called Strange Creatures from Time and Space. It had that one of those great Frank Frazetta <laughs> paintings on the cover. Uh, later on, it's been retitled as The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings. But in that book, he started talking about uh, window areas, mm -hmm. essentially portals or whatever. He was simply trying to come to grips with, with how is it that these things, these different cryptids, Bigfoot and so forth, and even UFOs seem to show up. In some cases, Bigfoot or Mothman scare the living daylights out of people, and then they kind of fade away. Yeah. They're even seen on the on the edges of a, a lot of very populated areas sometimes, and sometimes even in populated areas. And that, that that was uh, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a, a it was kind of bringing people slowly in to that idea. And then at the same time, pretty much, he wrote uh, Operation Trojan Horse. I guess both books came out in 1970. And uh, Trojan Horse didn't sell very well at first, and people didn't want to didn't want to hear it because that's where he 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 starts to connect the dots, uh, cryptids, poltergeist phenomena psychic phenomena ufos and and going back through history and showing how all these things seem to have some kind of uh connection 
and he was, you know, very uh, strong on the idea that these things were, were perhaps, uh, in some cases, temporal manifestations. You know, they were certainly physical to a degree, or for mm -hmm. a while, they leave footprints, hair yeah. samples, and so forth. Uh, some of these creatures would attack livestock, etc., and then they would sort of just kind of melt away. You know, so uh, yeah, he was uh, he was very forward thinking, and boy, at the time. I, and even at the time, I didn't want to hear it. I was mm -hmm. uh, I was a very happy uh, ET guy. You know, they're coming from outer space and and landing and 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 checking us out, and once in a while giving us a ride or maybe one of those uh, again one of those unscheduled medical examinations <laughs> that became so popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We I I don't like the scheduled ones or the unscheduled yeah. ones as far as right. It's just, so, it just but, makes you think that. You know, we know that our eyes can only see a certain wavelength and everything. It's like it kind of makes you think, are these things always around us? But we just can't see them until they get into some kind of spectrum. Well, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because Keel, I think he used it as kind of a literary device. He talked about the super spectrum, that area that uh, is kind of beyond the normal visible light range and so mm -hmm. forth. But, but he also, he talked a lot about uh, paranormal mimicry, uh, the reflective factor. Because if you look throughout history, uh, it's, it's sort of like the UFO problem uh, has shifted or manifested differently, or people have reported it differently. I mean, if you go way, way back, you could talk about, people talk about the, the moving lights. They, they were fairy lights. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, other other countries looked at them as as lights that belonged to the it, it, to sort of the indigenous little people or the elementals or whatever. And, and actually, in some time periods, they actually thought that witches were flying around on their brooms and the lights mm -hmm. were their lanterns. You know, mm -hmm. but then as over time, you know, you had the uh, you had those majestic airships that showed up in the late 1800s those big dirigible like things, impossible ships that were, would land occasionally. And, and, and as time went on, you had uh, uh, the ghost flyers, the mysterious planes that were being seen way up in Northern Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, they, and they were like giant planes with, with something like eight propellers on them. You know, where could they have come from? Where would the base have been? Uh, and they were shining these big uh, spotlights down on little towns in Northern Sweden. They were seen all over Norway, Sweden, and and and, and Finland, and then there was the uh, it, it kind of morphed into the the ghost rockets, mm -hmm. and then the so-called Foo Fighters yeah. of World War II. They they were like a lot of them were just kind of small lights that would pace the planes or or form off the uh, wings or whatever. And both sides, the, mm -hmm. the 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 Allies and the Axis thought the other guys had some kind of a secret weapon. And then we get into more modern day. We get into more the the, the 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 era of science fiction. These things take on a shape like you know. Look at the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins uh, in, in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, look that's... at the Cisco Grove aliens, and and then in more recent times, the the Greys. So it's like you know, are are these things, uh, are, are they really physically uh, different groups of aliens? Or they might be. Or, you know, are we, I think Keel suggested that perhaps in some ways, again, uh, that we might be actually uh, co-creating some of these things. Uh, he talked about uh, 
transmogrifications of energy, that whatever this source was, extra dimensional or whatever, this intelligence or this energy that would kind of uh, intermix with our, our general collective consciousness, our thoughts or expectations and kind of uh, change over time. You know, who was it? Uh, Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips, another great, no longer with us. He was a friend and colleague of Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And uh, he literally investigated thousands of trace landing cases. Uh, you know, in other words, close encounters of the second kind. Uh, cases where they would leave burn marks, radiation, uh, uh, a, a, a tripod marks or whatever, and, and effects on people, uh, uh, effects on the, the the bushes or the trees around there. And uh, at one point, now he had never seen a UFO, but he, he was introduced to a place he, he dubbed Marley Woods. And it's a place in southeastern Missouri. I, I think it's actually some of the towns in the area were outed by a guy, but he, he was trying to keep it secret. But the thing is, it's the first time he was able to see any kind of uh, a light phenomena or UFO phenomena for himself. And the thing was that most of this was like balls of light that would separate, come together. They weren't like classic metallic flying saucers, so to speak. But they also had mm -hmm. all kinds of, they were seeing things like large dogs, uh, dog-like creatures with long white hair. They were having missing time. There was all kinds of things going on there. But his point was, it seemed like that uh, while well, you could still see the giant black triangles, you could still see kind of a classic UFO or flying saucer, uh, a lot of it seemed to be changing more to light phenomena. And uh, so, you know, you wonder, that's something to really pay attention to, that these, these trends, these things seem to change over time. And why is that? Is, mm -hmm. it the, is it simply coming from the source? Is it something that is uh, part of us? It's like the different flaps. You know, you say how they change over time because they used to say the airships. So they saw the big airships. Then they saw planes. And now we're seeing triangles and all that. Do you think that, you know, or I should say it a different way. Do you believe that it's because of our times and we understand what we see or do you think that the extraterrestrials are cloaking or whatever themselves to look like what the people of that era would recognize because you know if back when the zeppelins and the airships were flying over if someone saw a flying triangle they wouldn't understand it but in our time we understand it because we have the flying wings and that so What's your thoughts on that? Is it, do you think that they either change or is it just how they describe it? Well, it, it, it could be that they are simply cloaking. I mean, it's not, it's almost impossible to say. I, I, I suspect that some of it is, uh, is reflective. Mm -hmm. And uh, although I, I think there are certainly certain aspects of this phenomenon, I suspect that there are flesh and blood unknown animals. I suspect that there are some real nuts and bolts craft from mm -hmm. elsewhere extra dimensional or whatever but there is this this other aspect this this reflective factor the this keelian idea that i think holds a, a lot of a uh, lot of water yeah so uh uh so i i i i've come to, to kind of believe both i mean they, i i've been the pendulum has swung both ways for me there was a time when i was strictly et nuts and bolts mm -hmm. another time when i went thought oh no 
none of it's real, if they're all psychic projections or whatever, but that doesn't work either. So, you know, yeah. Uh, it, it's just it's it's a real paradox, mm -hmm. uh, but it, but it's interesting, you know. You if you you look at uh, the work of Stan Gordon, his book uh, Silent Invasion, he talks about the bizarre uh, series of Bigfoot-like encounters in '73 and '74 in southwestern Pennsylvania, and uh, they uh, uh, green glowing eyes, uh, is shot point blank with a with a, a shotgun disappearing in a flash of light, mm -hmm. all kinds of bizarre. I mean, the, the, the reports in there are just crazy. But you have the strange uh, uh, combination of strange lights, strange craft or whatever they are, and some kind of bizarre creature on the ground. Well, if you go back to 1897 in Ohio, there was a series of airship sightings, possibly the same one. It was making kind of a, a, a clockwise circuit around Ohio even lapsing into Sistersville, West Virginia. And at the same time, this is between uh, mid-April and mid-May. At the same time on the ground, people are seeing these large black uh, panther-like creatures, large black cats uh, around Chillicothe and other areas. There was this one cat people were seeing. It had kind of an over-large head, kind of short legs, very, very odd-looking. It was attacking dogs and so forth. They... Uh, they, they, they shot at it, but they never hit it. They never captured it. They never killed it. And also at the same time, in Adams County, home of the uh, Serpent Mound, they were seeing something they called a wild man. Now, today we would say Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And they were seeing this. So they were seeing these bizarre creatures on the ground. At the same time, these things are going on in the sky. Let me give you another example. We, we're all familiar with Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Uh, Linda Godfrey, with her books, the starting with the Beast of Bray Road, put that on the map, and she's the one that kind of brought the the Dogman to the forefront in this country. I was just recently talking to Paul Sinclair from Yorkshire, and he has been uh, getting reports of what they call the Flixton Werewolf over there. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the same thing, but the, these reports go back for centuries, you know. So, but uh, but uh, Linda Godfrey, when she started re reporting these things. Uh, eventually, she met up with a man named Lee Hample. He has a farm uh, just a stone's throw from uh, Bray Road, where these things have been going on. He is, uh, he's retired. He's uh, producing hay on his farm. He uh, uh, was a uh, mathematician, which taught school for years, and he has degrees in chemistry. He's a scientist. So when people told him, he said, they'd say, you know, there's a werewolf that lives in those woods back there. He'd look at him like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and, then yeah. he, and then he saw it. Not only did he see it, he had missing time. He's had missing time a couple times. He has seen this thing more than once. He has chronicled the footprints. He has, over the last 10 years, he has set up trap cameras. He has uh, hundreds, thousands of photographs of bizarre things going on in that farm. And some of it is appears to be some kind of technology stuffed in the sky, sometimes like a, a classic UFO. And these things are all time stamped. So these things will like whip around the tree in a few seconds and disappear. Uh, he has chronicled the footprints of this thing. Five toes, not supposed to exist, mm -hmm. and a pad and a heel. And uh, you can see the footprints in these, these one series of photographs start in the snow in the middle of nowhere. Oh. Split into two creatures more or less and then end nowhere 
uh, he, the thing is that he, he can't, it's very hard to get a picture of these things. You'll get like a, a, a part of one or whatever, but there's some kind of intelligence or force preventing him from getting clear picture of these things. I mean, they're, they're clearly living, uh, leaving physical evidence. They eat roadkill, they eat bait, they act like animals, but they're also some kind of bizarre technology. So again, you have this other strange situation where there, there seems to be some kind of an intelligence or technology. And, and these photographs are just bizarre. He'll, uh, he, he will have, have people over what's, when, what's that? Was he uh, the one that was leaving deer out? Yes. Or like deer? kill okay yeah i think i read something about that <clears throat> well i've seen the, the photographs yes he uh, um, uh on his road there's been several uh deer killed with with car accidents so he'll he'll pull mm -hmm. them onto his his uh farm he'll aim a camera on it and at night at some point you'll see a mist show up mm -hmm. and you'll watch the time stamp and then the time goes on and the carcass is gone there's no drag marks there's no footprints this has happened at least a dozen times. And uh, so it's it's just uh, inexplicable. The, uh, the the Bucks County guys, the Eric Mantell investigates, they were out there a couple of years ago and they did a, uh, a, a night investigation. And uh, they, they, you can see their, their documentary on their website, Eric Mantell investigates. Well, they, they were out there and he was on with, with Ellen and, and Dominic, Dominic's the sensitive. They uh, the first thing they, that they saw a light moving in the sky, they thought was a satellite and Then it zips across the sky, not a satellite, not a mm -hmm. plane. And uh, then when you when you listen to this, they start to hear this howling and this howling goes on is on one side and then on the other, like there was a response. Now, I uh, I've always said I, I I wouldn't know a a any kind of an animal howl from uh, uh, I don't know, from a xylophone. So I, I'm not, not mm -hmm. any kind of an expert, but boy, it was creepy. And they said they saw eyes shine about six feet off the ground. And uh, again, Dominic, who's the sensitive, I said, Dominic, what were you feeling like out there? And you know how when, when people have these, these dogman encounters, there's kind of a feeling of, of negativity, of evil mm -hmm. or whatever, kind of consistent? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, 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 Dominic said, I felt like I was underwater in a shark tank holding the bait. Oh. And... They, they all yeah. got freaked out. And Eric said, I, I normally don't get unnerved at this stuff. But they, then a mist started to form. Now, mists have formed on mm -hmm. this, this area before. There's a, there's a photograph of Lee Hampel in the daytime surrounded by a mist taken by one of the trap cameras. He did not see the mist when he was there in the daylight. So it's, you know, these things are, are showing up on camera that aren't visible with the naked eye. So they just they actually decided to leave <laughs> and uh, they did go back to another investigation at a later date. But, uh, and, and the irony is they, the next week they were actually in the Pine Barrens with a couple of seasoned Bigfoot researchers. They were just okay. like miles, miles into the middle of nowhere in the dark. They were hearing whoops and, and, and knocking and that kind of thing. And Dominic said, it was almost like a day on the beach. He didn't feel any negativity, any fear at all. It was a complete contrast to the night he was on Lee Hample's yeah. farm in the presence of perhaps, perhaps some, some unknown creature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever put any trail cams or has anybody put any trail cams out in or around Point Pleasant? See if they could capture anything. Um, I, I imagine they have, I, I never have. I, uh, mm -hmm. the, the only time I, uh, interacted with a trap cam was, uh, 
a few years ago, uh, uh, a couple of my nephews were very much into finding Bigfoot. And okay. so his, uh, his dad had put up a trap camera on the, the grandfather's property. And we knew where it was. So we got, uh, got me dressed up in a Bigfoot costume. And I, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if I was triggering this thing or not. So I'm, I'm walking back and forth in this like, like growth or whatever, mm -hmm. trying the, not, not yeah. to the, the feet to pull off. And uh, so later on that day, they, they got the trap camera and they just said, well, uh, Luke, let's, let's take a look at this. Let's see if we got anything. So they're, they're going through the images and, you know, you see uh, uh, some, some wildlife now and then. Then all of a sudden, there yeah. I am in, in all my glory with my arms up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Dad, Bigfoot. <laughs> That's cute. So oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm afraid that uh, I'm afraid the photographs weren't probably terribly convincing. So if they ever show up on the Internet, yeah. I don't think anybody's going to be uh, swayed by them. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I make Bigfoot cutouts and I've seen so many pictures of Bigfoot cutouts and they say this is real or um, oh. the one I saw it's a downtown Toledo sighting and it's uh, the side of a river with all these trees and all I'm like no that's not it but yeah so you never know <laughs> someday Steve will be world famous as the Bigfoot man in the woods <laughs> or, or I'll get or get shot yeah. when I'm wearing a costume I want to go back to Mothman for a few minutes. Sure. Do we know how fast they fly? Has there well, been it, any? It, it, it seemed to keep pace with the car. They were. They said they got close to speeds of 100 miles an hour. Now, okay. With that road there, they couldn't couldn't maintain that speed or anything close to that for very long. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to uh, not. It, it wasn't going ahead of the car. But they, they when you know, if they were to look outside the window, they could see it, but they couldn't see it in front of them. Okay. So, uh, and and the thing is, when they when they first saw this, they were driving by the the dirt road that was next to the old North Power Plant, which was a ruin by the 1960s. And Linda Scarberry saw what she thought was a man in the road, and she said, "What's that man doing standing there?" Well, then that man spread his wings, mm. and uh, you know, they, they could then they could see the red eyes. And it, that's when it kind of shuffled off toward the old North Power Plant and seemed to go inside. Well, then they they didn't wait along very very long, and then they took they took off, and they they, they go down uh, what is now called the uh, 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 farm road, the uh, farm museum road. Okay. And uh, and uh, hit the main drag 62, make a left, and right there was a road sign, and uh, they said they saw it standing there. So they weren't absolutely sure it was the same creature okay. or if it was another one. Uh, some people think there were several of them, and, mm -hmm. and, and who knows. Uh, but And then they took off, and then it followed their car in. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's what I was getting at is because we have multiple sightings, and I was just wondering if it might have been a pack or if it was an individual, well, individual one that just could move so fast that people saw it all over the place. Yeah, if it's if it's something, I don't I don't know uh, something more like an elemental or paranormal or whatever, it doesn't flap its wings. Mm -hmm. uh, a speed may not mean anything. Yeah. you know the way it manifests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could just manifest in a completely different area to the the. Uh, but um, you mentioned about the Wisconsin Batman. Now I know it's not yeah. as close, 
it's a few miles away, but there was a lot of sightings. And I don't know if these are credible or not, but there was a lot of sightings in Chicago recently right. of the Mothman. And I was wondering if that might have been something the same or. Well, I, I, I was informed some time ago, by a couple different sources from MUFON, mm -hmm. that some of the initial sightings that go back, what, about 10 years now, uh, several of them were coming from the same IP address, oh, okay. suggesting that somebody was. And uh, there's a great researcher named Allison Jornland. She went and, and did uh, a lot of footwork in that area mm -hmm. a few years ago. And she tracked down a lot of these alleged sightings. Now, now a lot of these, some of these sightings, people weren't really coming forward. They were anonymous. But she would go to the location and investigate. And, you know, somebody's making up something sometimes. They don't get the location and everything quite right. So she was finding a several, uh, she found some that she thought were credible, but she found several that she thought were problematic. Okay. So, uh, and there were even, uh, uh, there was a couple people that spoke up that were critical of this. And then uh, very shortly afterwards, a, in quotes, Mothman sighting showed up in the town they were living in. Hmm. And I kind of, I kind of think maybe that was fabricated to say, hey, you know, here you are in this town and you, there's a Mothman sighting and you missed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit cynical about the Chicago Mothman sightings. Uh, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, some people uh, swear by it and think it's legitimate. But I, I'm just not, uh, you know, there may be some many credible uh, experiences coming out of there. But I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just very skeptical. And I, I take them, a lot of them with a grain of salt. Yeah, because we know it lives in Point Pleasant down there that, in that, West yeah, Virginia. That's right. Well, I think there's one researcher that, that firmly believes that Mothman has migrated to uh, the Chicago area. But I would say the one fallacy about that is there was, uh, with the Mothman, there was quite a a high strangeness factor. There was, uh, you know, you had all kinds of bizarre things going on at the same time. Uh, UFO reports, uh, men in black, mm -hmm. uh, animal mutilations, uh uh, poltergeist phenomena. I've not heard any of that reported in, with the Chicago Mothman sightings. They're simply sightings of some kind of a creature. Yeah. You know, there was there was one sighting three years earlier, almost three years to the day that the Scarberries and the Mallets were chased down Route 62 in Kent, England, uh, 1966, uh, November, uh, as some kids were coming back from a dance and they saw this uh, this light this uh, globe of light come down behind a grove of trees. And then uh, I think the light manifested again. And then they saw this creature. Well, this creature was identical to the Mothman, the way it kind of shuffled along, the way it, it seemed not to have a head per se. Mm -hmm. The only thing that was different was they did not see glowing eyes. They did not see eyes, but that was kind of uh, remarkable that that's the, the one really close sighting that kind of paralleled or was almost identical to what people were reporting in Point Pleasant three years later. And and it's interesting. Has because... there been... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, we hear a lot of the sightings here in the United States, and now you're mentioning England, but is there any other countries that have had these type of um, anomalies or stories? Well, there was the Owl Man in Cornwall, mm -hmm. I think in the 80s, something vaguely similar to the, the Mothman, uh, several, uh, there were several young girls that saw it over a short period of time in a, in a cemetery. 
So there, there, and, mm. and then there was, uh, there was something, boy, in, in uh, Central America, they called them, the locals called them the Ickles, E-I-K-A-L-S. They were like these little beings that seemed like they were flying around with almost some kind of a jet pack. <laughs> uh, bothering people, just yeah, I, I don't can't remember all the details, but they're uh, and and then you know John Keel. There's a a great chapter in his book called uh, oh the, the the flutter of 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 black wings maybe, but he, he goes through the history of a lot of these uh, sightings of uh, there was a, supposedly a man seen over uh, Coney Island in the early 1900s it looked like he was uh in some kind of contraption of flying over you know with wings and <laughs> so forth. and it, it chronicles several uh uh thunderbirds and so forth it was one that really cracked me up where this this guy this in quotes old guy uh, had seen this thing twice in one week this giant bird and he said that's just too much tomfoolery for a man of 50 to take uh, a man of 50 Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bypassed that. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of um, UFO activity up towards like Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, and I think that was in 1967, was that? I think it was. So yeah. I'm wondering if maybe that was related to it, the Mothman sighting. Well, it, it may well have been. There were a lot of... Uh, uh, flaps that uh, covered over a certain area in uh, in Michigan, uh, several months before the Mothman showed up uh, in March. You know, we had those uh, the so-called what I call the swamp gas sightings. That's when uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Hynek was dispatched from Project Blue Book. He was still had the apron strings tied to Blue Book, and they wanted him to kind of diffuse the situation, even though he had begun to believe that there was really something to this. And there were a lot of credible reports from police officers and so forth. And there was the uh, a landing that people witnessed on the Frank Manor Farm in Dexter. Uh, Dexter, Ann Arbor, uh, Hillsdale, the, the people were seeing, credible people were seeing something. And, uh, you know, he, he made that fateful pronouncement on a, on a live uh, news conference where he was suggesting that some of the sightings in, uh, in Hillsdale might possibly be swamp gas. And he was really stretching because it would have been the, the wrong time of year mm -hmm. for those kinds of uh, gases mm -hmm. to form. And of course, that's all the press needed was that was the, the solution to the UFO mystery and the, and the jokes that have reverberated for decades. I saw him 10 years later in Ann Arbor at the, 1960, at the 1976 MUFON Symposium. He was there with uh, Ray Stanford and uh, Jerome Clark and and several others. And uh, the name of his talk was Swamp Gas Plus 10 and Counting. And so he, uh, <laughs> he, he was, it was very humorous, but it was very serious. By that time, he had long left the uh, Project Blue Book. He had started the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston, Illinois. And you know, he had became, uh, John Keel said, he became one of the good guys, you know, and started wearing a white hat. And uh, so it was, uh, he, he actually showed some hilarious, uh, political cartoons at the time. And uh, one of the classic ones was you, you see the little green men with their blasters and they've just landed in their flying saucer and they stopped the man on the sidewalk. And the caption is, take us to the man that called us swamp gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting because, you know, like the area we live in used to be the great um, mm -hmm. black swamp. And that was one of the reports. Uh, these 
you know, the Native Americans wouldn't go in there. They, it was full of gas and, and other, you know, very dangerous things. So it's interesting, um, you know, with the whole triangle of Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. West Virginia, this area mm -hmm. is so such a hotbed. Yeah, the native all these different types of activities. The Native Americans would say that they would see the lights, and I forget what exactly what they called them, but the lights in the swamp. Right. Well, the, the uh, Keel wasn't wasn't too sure that. Uh, the, the flap idea was legitimate. He thought mm -hmm. that perhaps sometimes it was simply uh, a focus of attention. You know, these things are going on all the time. But the, uh, the, and certainly the, the mainstream press, the national press, very seldom picks up these things. Once in a while they do. But, you know, for, for years, I subscribed to it. It was a great service they don't have anymore. It was called the UFO News Clipping Service, started in the 60s. And I, I took it over different times over a period of decades. And what they would do is for like $5 a month, you would get, uh, they, they would have their own news clipping service. They would call together all these UFO reports from all over the US. They had a foreign section, and then they would have a, a Fortiana section with uh, cryptids and so forth. And so what you found was that these things were happening everywhere all the time. It's just that they would seldom get beyond the local newspaper. You know, once in a while, you'd get the, the Phoenix Lights or the Stevensville UFO or, or the O'Hare Airport one. But these things were going kind of under the national radar all the time. So uh, and, and that was just a, a fascinating resource. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that's not available anymore. Ah, that's a shame. Of course, could you imagine how full it would be now? You know, well, you could you could you could, you know, spend hundreds of dollars a yeah. month on on uh, various clipping services and they would would get it for you but mm -hmm. you know you would really have to be uh independently wealthy you know like like you guys are the, oh yeah. To, the toledo, <laughs> yeah yeah the toledo upper crust you know <laughs> i burnt or that like crust burnt <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we think alike you know, steve when you lived in michigan did you ever investigate the paulding lights no, I, I heard, uh, I just heard different uh, uh, opinions on it. Who was it? Uh, Patrick Burns. Uh, wasn't he the one that did a show called Haunting Evidence? And he would have psychics on revisiting uh, cold cases and so forth. Well, he, he claimed that he went up there and he was certain that it was uh, 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 traffic lights and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then I, I saw another show once where they actually shut down the road temporarily that they thought was responsible for it, and the Paulding light is still there. So I, I never went up there to see it. Uh, I, I think the jury's still out. I, I don't. I guess I'd like to think it's something uh, uh, even supernatural, even yeah. though I don't use that word very much. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I'm not convinced it is is natural. I think that uh, the jury's still out on that. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go. Um, is, is that still have going you on? Ever Jen? Oh. Jen, do you know if that's still going on or? I believe it is. Yeah, I mean, there was there were still reports um, in 2023 huh. of um, people going in and checking it out. Road trip. there sometime. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, has there ever, or have you ever encountered with your work at the Mothman Museum, psychics or mediums or anybody with those type of abilities coming to um, 
see what they sense or feel in and around the Mothman in Point Pleasant? I, I talked briefly to a lady. Actually, she was passing by my house and saw one of my Mothman signs on the door. <laughs> it says, like, like, yeah, I'm afraid it says Mothman sighting zone, enter at your own risk. I know. Uh, but she, and I didn't talk to her for very long, but she claimed that she was a sensitive and she had some, she might you know, be uh, able to sense something. But I haven't, no, I would, uh, I would always be interested in people that, uh, uh, that, that, that pick up things like that and, and see what they, see what they think. Uh, but uh, I, I get I get uh, stories sometimes by people. Uh, I, I get uh, you know it's it's so cool because uh, I, I had this this one couple that that they were just uh, they, the guy was so happy to be there, and we were we were talking we got in these great conversations as like we do here, and he must have shaken my hand yeah. five times you know he was just so Aww. happy, and, and there was another young man that he was standing there in the in, in the front part is where you can buy books, T-shirts, and, and souvenirs mm-hmm. and, and good stuff. And then the back part is the museum part. And uh, and he was he was standing there with his mouth open. He was just like stunned, you know. <laughs> he was like finally there. And, you know, we have oh. – uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say you're walking in encyclopedia of, of this phenomenon. Well, listen, Jen, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm so old. I taught Methuselah oh, how, to, <laughs> how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. <laughs> yes. I have a very important question that I was going to save oh. till the end, but I might as well say it now. You know, you mentioned <laughs> about this statue that's just outside the museum. Yes. Um, who is the model for the backside of that? Because I see a well, lot of people I... take pictures of that. I, I I'd been telling people that I was oh. uh, so far. There's been a couple ladies that said that they they said they believed it, but they were just kind of cut me immersed. That's all. They weren't, they weren't they weren't serious. But listen, it is it is it is so much fun. I, I I've told this before on different shows, but uh, uh, when uh, a lot of people don't know what's behind the Mothman statue, uh-huh. and they'll say, and you know that, that's funny when the little kids see it. They just don't hold back. They yeah. say, I see Mothman's butt. And I'll, say, <laughs> and I'll tell them, look, we're very dignified here in West Virginia. We call it the shiny hiney. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ashley Wamsley Morrison, who is the daughter of Jeff Wamsley, the curator of the Mothman Museum, the man that created this great museum. Mm-hmm. And he has two other stores down there, too, the, the Point Pleasant Trading Company and uh, mm-hmm. Bunker, uh, uh, oh, was it 804? What, what the heck is it? It's a, like a vinyl shop. It's really cool. Huh. Uh, but uh, And also, he's the co-founder of the Mothman Festival. Uh, but uh, she created a shirt that says, uh, the Shiny Hiney Club. <laughs> And I've got I've got several of them now. So when when, so when cool. we when we go up there and we they, I offer to take their picture and I mm-hmm. I show them I've got a name tag that so I'm I'm legitimate and not some some derelict that just drifted in there you know so I, I get their picture and I get a close up and everything and then you know standing in front of the statue if you look up to your left to the second story they've got a mannequin dressed like the man in black with a fedora, black suit, and dark sunglasses. It's really cool. It's especially cool at night because they leave the light on, and okay. it looks really creepy. It really does take people aback sometimes. Uh-huh. So I show them that, and then I say, now look, to get the full Mothman experience, to experience the full Monty, we have to walk around behind the statue and take a look. 
And then <laughs> I introduced them to the, the shiny hiney. And, they, uh, and the, the expressions are, you know, especially with the kids. But there was one young, one couple, the young lady, she took one look. She just doubled over with laughter. Then she straightened up and looked again, and she just doubled over again. <laughs> the, best, the best reaction I have ever seen. And, and people, people will slap it. Mm-hmm. They will slide their charge card through it. And I tell them, you better check your, you better check your bill when you get home. Yeah. They, will stick, they will stick quarters back there. And they do other things I cannot say yeah. <laughs> uh, online or in person, oh. or I would be arrested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and then, <laughs> and then after all that, I say, look up there at the man in black. You see that little black dot off to the side? That's our 24-7 moth cat. <laughs> that means right now, people all over the world mm-hmm. on the internet just saw you slap Mothman's caboose. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Be careful, cameras and, are everywhere. And they they just they just love it. They just eat it up. Uh-huh. I, I even I even get uh, uh, a uh, a donation once in a while, a little little gratuity, and I, it just blows me away. So very very oh, happy for cool. that. I, I I don't do it for that, but uh, it's mm-hmm. just uh, you know it's it's just so much fun. Yeah. And uh, again, you you know you you don't you you I, I introduce myself to people and I make myself available. Uh, some people want to talk and have questions and uh, others, you know, you, you, you sense if somebody wants you to, you know, go take a flying leap and hit the county line, you know, so uh, yeah. it, it's not that bad. But uh, we also have, uh, I always like to say we have five documentaries running all at the same time. And Jeff is for one of them. He's created like a separate viewing room. And that documentary he shows there is the one that came out about the same time that the movie did. And they had like clips from the movie and use the music from the movie. Uh, but there's uh, two uh, uh, small town monsters uh, uh, documentaries running. There's one right up front where you, you pay for the merchandise or pay to go in to the museum part. And if you, I tell people, if you watch very carefully toward the end, when you see Tom Urie's image there, as the camera closes in, you will see the back of my head for about uh, <laughs> two and a half seconds. Now you- You're famous. Well, you could tell I was going to be a star because if you go all the way to the back, to the Mothman (laughs) legacy, you will see my handsome countenance in there several times as a talking head, along with some other pretty, pretty good people as well. Yeah. Now, when you have, um, you know, the people that come into the, to the museum, is it a lot of people that are just curious or is this something that people are gravitated to because they've done research and they're, you know, really interested in it? Uh, good question. Uh, I, always, I often ask people, was this a planned destination or were you just stopping mm-hmm. by because there are signs out on the various roads and so forth. And sometimes people yeah. are visiting somewhere and they realize, oh my God, we're right near Point Pleasant, mm-hmm. home of the Mothman, mm-hmm. let's go. Uh, yeah. Many, many people, that's that's their destination. They've made it a, a day trip or, or longer uh, and, you know, come from way, way out of state to to be there. So yeah. uh, and, and a lot of people have, uh, you know, a lot of young kids uh, uh, have been, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's mostly due to uh, YouTube videos and so forth. I do find people that have read the book and, uh, you know, I immediately fall in love with them if they're a lady, if they've actually read the book, you know, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just really, really, you know, some people know Keel very well. 
uh, many people were introduced to this from the film, and it's bizarre that the the film with Richard Gere and Laura Linney is like twenty years old now. Mm-hmm. You know, a little over twenty wow. years old. That's crazy. But it's a yeah. It's also just. Have a... you ever had any uh, celebrities show up? Y- yes. Anybody, uh, quote unquote, celebrity? Well, you know what? There's been some there. Uh, Ashley. Besides usually... yourself. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ashley usually posts them, but the, sometimes they're people I don't know who they are. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There was uh, a while ago, uh, you know, Bobcat Goldwaith, mm-hmm. the guy that does the, the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, I didn't see uh-huh. him, but he, he was there. Now, Jeff didn't know who he was at first. So somebody told him, and he said he uh-huh. runs out and he gets them and brings them back, and they got their picture by the Mothman <laughs> statue. Trying oh, to that's cool. Oh, the uh, I think the uh, the uh, uh, the picker guy uh, from Iowa is it? What? Oh yeah, yeah, Mike? yeah. yeah. See, I'm I'm uh, Mike my, 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 I'm, I'm pretty good in some areas of pop culture, and other areas I just absolutely yeah. stink. So, uh, but yeah, there are. <laughs> oh, and of course, of course. The mountain monster guys, Wild Bill's got his picture in there. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, in fact, I was at Tudor's Biscuit World across the river in Gallipolis one time. And I'm sitting there and I get this this on the shoulder like that. And I look up and it's Wild Bill. <laughs> he, I, I'd seen him several times before <laughs> in various venues. So he, he yeah. took me out to his car. He signed, uh, you know, he thanked me for my service. And he, he, he signed one of his cards and so forth. And, uh, and he was at the Mothman Festival uh, this last time, and we we usually we get the, we get together with a bunch of people on Friday night, uh, oftentimes at Village Pizza, <laughs> which is used to be Ooh. Tiny's Restaurant. Tiny's Restaurant was the, was the scene of a, a a Mothman sighting in '67, and it was actually okay. the first place where the Scarberries and the Mallets stopped because Linda had worked there, and she told her boss what had happened. He suggested that they go on to the police station. So anyway, wow. he, he was he was he was there. The, uh, some uh, the mountain monster guys do make have a presence there uh, in different festivals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell and me there... more about this biscuit place. Like that sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, it's biscuits. just biscuits. I've got one just up the street, Ooh, and, uh, and this this past week or so, I have been such a slacker and not making any of my own <laughs> breakfasts, and I just drive up wow. the street to Tudor's yeah. Biscuit World. Man, you can get the big tater. You can get the little tater. You can get a classic breakfast. You can get the pancake platter. You can get, uh, oh, man, let me just tell you. Oh, oh, you can get biscuits. I'm getting in my car right now and driving down. (laughs) Biscuits and gravy, right? And these biscuits, we, listen, listen, Jennifer, we we measured them. They are nearly one-third the size of the state of Nebraska. Nice. I, I mean, that would be, make the trip worth it. Joe and I, we didn't we eat somewhere when we went into Point Yeah, I was going to mention about how, yeah, there, we went down there. We were at a convention. I forget where, but we were like, we're by, we're by Point Pleasant. So let's go check it out. And we did. And it's a yeah. cool little town. And you can just, you can park your car and walk to all these places. Yes. And mm-hmm. you can sit outside yeah. Steve's window and stare at him. And well, you'll, wanna... you'll see my cat staring yeah. back. <laughs> but yeah, we I forget where we, we went to eat. Cat cam. Yeah. Steve's cat cam. Yeah. 24-7. Well, we, we, I have a uh, an old cemetery, kind of kitty corner from me, that, that some of it goes back to the Revolutionary War. Hmm. And once in a Ooh. while, my little Rosie will sit up on the windowsill in the commode 
and stare in that direction. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's probably seeing stuff. I, I, That's I, cool. As long as she sees it over there, that'll be good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you never know, never Steve. Know. You get in those old towns and everything's haunted. Yeah, maybe. But uh, my, my house is pretty small. I don't know that they're going to, uh, you know, I don't think they, they want to. Why, why bother with, I mean, they have these big mansions, big, beautiful homes within a walking distance. They need to, you know, just kind of float over there. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about. Leave Steve alone. He's got too much research to do. Yeah. Tell me about the Mothman Festival. Mm-hmm. Now, me and Jen have been saying we're going next year. Oh, we're going yeah. next year. We never end up down there. Tell us a little bit about that before we can uh, let you go here. It is crazy crowded these days. I, uh, like I say, I, uh, I've been doing a lot of work for the festival, and you just love it. I, I was climbing ladders in the TNT area, putting up these giant spider webs, you know. Mm-hmm. And and one of the places I put it up, they they had this, you know, when I when I used to start the uh, the Mothman ride, there was this structure standing there which was actually blown over in the windstorm. But fortunately, they moved it, even though it's a ruin now, they've moved it over to the like the main drag when you come in. And I mm-hmm. tell people, I said, well, look, now we're going to see something off to our, our uh, your left here. And I'll shine a flashlight on it. And you will be able to tell if you're going to have the, the intestinal fortitude, the metal to, to stay on this ride. And I showed the <laughs> flashlight. And it's a two-story outhouse. <laughs> and so I say, you know, imagine the possibilities. And, of course, sometimes the kids would imagine the possibilities. You uh-huh. know, you'd have to kind of curb them a little bit. <laughs> but uh, so that there's, uh, I, was, I was hanging giant spider webs up on that and getting these big furry spiders. And, and, and I was <laughs> adding these big eyeballs to them. I had spiders with three eyeballs or one eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just what you know, a few critters here and there, just to kind of spice it up a bit. But the main deal is to fly over the Mothman. Mm-hmm. So, so that's again, we, I've already kind of covered the uh, that you know the night, the uh, the the hayride. Now it's uh, Saturday and Sunday are speakers all day. I, I spoke, was able to speak this year. I spoke a big surprise. It was kind of a refresher on John Keel and the <laughs> Mothman. You really you have to talk about John Keel. Yeah. Really, he's mm-hmm. the fascinating guy when you talk about the Mothman really really interesting life and uh uh just you know we get speakers uh on all kinds of topics it was held in the uh uh what the uh oh i can't remember the was it the retirement center or the uh one of the uh centers it was kind of a nice venue we used to do it in the state theater yeah but the state theater is is in kind of a state of disrepair now Uh unfortunately it was such a great place Uh uh but uh, anyways, it's just down the street. There are vendors way up and down Main Street. Everything, food, T-shirts, mm-hmm. uh, souvenirs. And then on the on the side road where the Mothman statue is, of course, people line up for, to get their picture by the statue, uh, front and back. His <laughs> posterior is about as famous as his front these days. Um, and the well, usually the uh, speakers are there at their tables. And they're mm-hmm. very accessible and, as you know, very interesting people. And uh, uh, so there, there's that. And uh, it's just uh, it's two days of of absolute fun. And, uh, you know, people are, are well behaved. And uh, uh, it's a place I tell people, you know, you can talk about these bizarre subjects and the things that you've experienced and the things you believe in without your coworkers and your family members looking at you sideways 
and saying, what did you do this weekend? <laughs> you, 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 went there on, you went there on purpose? Yeah. Okay. And hopefully we can add a podcast to the, to the scene one of these years. I mean, we say it every year yes. that we're going, but we got to do it. We have to do it. Well, you have to. It's, uh, uh, it's hard to get in mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I think Jeff starts in March to, to uh, pick up those, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, uh, uh, those people that have been there before, they kind of mm-hmm. get first dibs, yeah. you know, if they've worked out well. Mm-hmm. And then he'll add in if there's if there's spaces. And it, it has kept expanding. So, uh, you know, it used to be uh, much closer together. But, uh, and, you know, if there's so many people there, it is it is not easy always to find a parking space. But there are, there mm. are plans in the future. It won't be real near future, but they're, they're working on, I think, uh, the across the uh, Kanawha River there, still in West Virginia in uh, Henderson, I think they're going to be moving a lot of those buildings out of there and putting in a big motel and so forth. Uh, They they really need parking. And uh, there's the low hotel right there in Point Pleasant. (laughs) But you guys will have to remortgage both your houses in order to afford (laughs) a night. And there there are uh, several chain hotels across the the river. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they get really booked up. But if if people want to... uh, uh, message me on Facebook. I will tell you a place that you might be able to get in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it publicly, but uh, I'll tell sure. you guys off the air where a place you can probably okay. get in. Okay. Yeah. And but uh, you'd probably, our booth would probably be next to the dumpster on Fifth Avenue, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think there's a place on 12th Street. So yeah. worry about it. <laughs> but, Steve, we enjoy the mean every streets time. streets of Point Pleasant. Yeah. We enjoy every time we can get together with you and talk. I wish we had more time. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Well, listen, it's always a good time with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even, even though we're not right. actually face-to-face in person. Not yet. We will. We have yeah. a few conventions that we Past, usually you know, see. Convention season mm-hmm. comes up, and we're traveling. Uh, so are you going sure to the Frog? About, the... What about the Frogman convention in March? I tried. I don't know if they're allowing new uh vendors yet oh okay yeah. but we could I, just go yeah we could go to go oh, sure sure you know like I'm, the small i'm actually going to be slumming with the spooks creeps and assorted devilry devilry okay. gang so okay I, cool i'm going to see if i can I, I do have a book out with uh mark randall the, the mm-hmm. great graphic mm-hmm. artist uh it's called yeah. mothman high strangeness he's done all the illustrations it, it hits all the high points of the year of the Garuda, the year of the Mothman, uh, Mothman, John Keel, the bridge collapse, the men in black and so forth. And he and I wrote the various pieces for it. Well, they allow me to have, I get a little corner on their table, you know, and I get, nice. to, I get to sell a few. So I, I get bus fare home. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. But yeah, thanks a lot, we'll Steve. This was so much fun. I, I really enjoy it. And, you know, we always say you're always welcome on the show anytime. Um, anytime you see us yes. at a convention, just sit down and start talking, and we'll enjoy ourselves. Uh, we, we will. We, there's there's all kinds of things we, we haven't covered, and we will do it in the yeah. future sometime. Yeah. yeah, and definitely if there's any updates or anything strange or unusual happens, report back to us ASAP. Okay, and we one time, I just want to be on to talk about my cats. Yeah. <gasps> yes. 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 Cat talk with yes. Steve Ward. Cat talk. <laughs> Keel, awesome. Rosie, and Willis. Aww. 
And the, uh, now, I think two of them made an appearance in, today. <laughs> yeah. We got two. I was on Mac Maloney's show. I, yeah, I also yeah. am a correspondent on Mac Maloney's Military mm-hmm. X-Files. And I'm afraid uh, Keel uh exposed to himself on, <laughs> on the camera fortunately it was it was on zoom but it was only audio so we were okay oh good <laughs> all right hilarious. Well, well steve we really appreciate you being on well, you're always you welcome on the show you you're one of our founding guests mm-hmm. and we really appreciate eight well, years later that you're still that, coming on and telling us all uh, about the cool Oh, don't, don't tell me how many years. Oh, oh. oh okay. Sorry. <laughs> thank, thank, thanks that for having works. me, really. It was always always a good time. Yeah. And I want to thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. As we always say, please go up on our website. We have a ton of stuff going on there. If you need clothing for the upcoming year, if you want to dress fine, check out Jen's page. She has a Poshmark page. I'll put the link in the description like I always do. Great deals. The Jen just lists a whole bunch of new stuff. She's got a whole bunch yeah. of new stuff. Holiday things. Yeah. So <laughs> in the show notes, we will have the links to the Mothman Museum. We have the show, uh, the links to Jen's page, to our page. If you want to donate to us, we have a link there for our 222 PayPal. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.